be seated. Good morning, everyone, and welcome. Also, like to uh, welcome our visitors who are here for the first time. We have a uh, contact card on the back table, and if you would like to have us contact you, uh, please fill one of these out and put it in the uh, agape box on, on in the back on the wall. I just have a few announcements to make. First of all, we have corporate prayer tonight at 7 o'clock. We encourage as many as you can to, to come out. Even if you can come for a little while, 15 minutes, a half hour, it, it's such a great time to uh, praise and worship the Lord and cry out to him for our petitions. And uh, I have uh, something I... This is, this is, a, uh, this is a uniform for uh, the VBS. Now, I've never owned one of these before, but I take ownership of this for, for that week. So uh, for all staff, uh, you're going to be wearing them too. So, so uh, VBS is going to be uh, July 30th through August 3rd, and then we're going to have our Jubilee picnic day on the 4th. So if there's a, a section you want to volunteer in, please see the sign-up sheet on the uh, counter in the cafe. And door-to-door, -door, uh, going door-to-door -door and uh, sharing information uh, about Jubilee Day and VBS with our neighbors. Uh, we're 353 houses out of 1,000, so there's still a way to go. So we encourage you to come out uh, Thursday evening at 6.30. And because of the women's study uh, on Saturday, we're going to be leaving at 11 a.m. So uh, it, it's, it was really enjoyable as a lot of us got to... Uh, meet the neighbors in the community and uh, pray for a few and and some divine appointments. It was really, really great. Uh, teen events. Teen event on July 15th. They have a, a volunteer uh, helping hands ministry. And July 17th, they're going to be going to Hershey Park. And Singles Adult Ministry has a picnic at Cindy Klein's house on July 28th. So please see Cindy if you have some questions. And we're going to be praying. Uh, we have prayer time on Tuesday, July 10th in the morning. So if you're out and about, have the day off, and you just want to stop in, pray for VBS, pray for all these things that are going on. And with so many traveling, uh, please be in prayer for travel mercies. And uh, we have someone, uh, Jennifer McEvers, who had some surgery on Friday. So please keep her in your prayers. Thank you. Sing your praises, Lord, and, and again, to hear from you, Lord. And I think of Peter walking on that water, Lord. And when he took his eyes off of you, Lord, he sank. But, Lord, we want to have our eyes focused on you. We don't want to see anything else. No distractions this morning, Lord, just you. In your name we pray. Amen. There is no God like our God. 
song this morning and um, there was a post on Facebook that I read um, this earlier this week and it was about um, just the fact that sometimes we dwell on the things that we wish God would do or we dwell on asking him to do things that he's already done or already promised to do and instead of doing that that we just sometimes just need to say thank you and remember the things that he has already done and just realize that they've already come to pass in our lives or if he's promised it they will come to pass in our lives. And so this song really struck me this week because it's just thanking God for who he is and who he, I mean, who we know that he is, but also for what he promised that he'll do.
Lord, we just want to say thank you, God. We know that um, that everything we have comes from you, Lord, and we also thank you that you um, are the one and only God, Lord. You are the way, the truth, and the life, and we uh, just pray that you um, would just renew our minds with that this morning, Lord, and um, that you would also be with Pastor Matt as he comes forward, Lord, to, to teach us from Acts as we as we watch Paul go through um, the trials that he had, Lord, um, but how he continued to just stay faithful to you and hold on to you. Uh, we thank you for that example. We pray that you will be with us this morning. We thank you for these things in your name. Amen. Please greet one another. Good morning, everyone. All right. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hands. If you don't have a Bible, one of our ushers will bring a Bible to you. We have a number of them in the back, and sometimes rushing out of the house in the morning, trying to get yourselves here, let alone everything else with you. Uh, sometimes you might have left it in the car, or hopefully maybe in the other room, in the cafe or something. If you need a Bible, raise your hands, and one of the ushers will bring you a Bible. Need one in the back there. Anyone else? Well, we have a lot of our folks out on vacation this morning, so um, just let, you know, let's I don't know about you, but when, you know, members and parts of the family's missing, you start to, you know, you long for them, you pray for safety and travel as their, as their way, but the, everybody needs rest, and so they get away sometimes to be able to have a little mini vacation and come back home, and so we just pray travel mercies for those folks that have been traveling and, and for those that are with us this morning. Uh, open your Bibles to Acts chapter uh, 20. We're going to pick up in Acts chapter 20 this morning. Um, and again, as you heard uh, uh, Bill pray early, uh, we, we want to be praying for uh, not only Ruth Ann and Connie and, you know, who are, are recovering and their home and, and Connie's, you know, getting ready to go through for a surgery there. I, I believe it's maybe a quadruple bypass now. And uh, that's Ruth Ann's uh, niece, if I've got it right. And uh, we also want to be praying for Jennifer McEvers. She's just come out of the surgery and... Uh, I think it was Friday, they kept her an extra day. She's doing well. She's home resting. Uh, we got to see her kids yesterday at the teen outreach. And, uh, you know, so just be praying for a quick healing. And that, you know, like I said, when we have folks that are home healing like that, I just, my heart, I miss them. I know you miss them too. We love them. This is, it's amazing what God's done here. We're such a tight family. And I, I don't want to see that ever change. And it's fitting that I kind of open with these remarks because today as we, spend time with Paul on his third missionary journey. We'll come to the conclusion of his third, third missionary journey. Some say that Paul actually took four missionary journeys. and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about a fourth missionary journey or possibility when we read from his epistles and his letters where we could see there could be a fourth missionary journey there. But when we, we begin to think about Paul's heart, most people, if I asked you here this morning, when you think of Paul, you think of Paul the evangelist, right? Or the disciple maker. I don't think that's a stretch for any of us by our imaginations or our conceptions. But <clears throat> what Paul does here this morning is he allows us to see another part of his character, something that the church of Ephesus and his Ephesian leaders that he's been meeting with knew intimately, and that's Paul the shepherd, Paul the, Paul the pastor. You know, there's something, um, as an under-shepherd myself, there's something when I, when I see a man like Paul living out a life where it's truly for the flock, truly for the sheep, no, uh, no guile in him. 
uh, it's, it's very special because we, throughout Scripture, we don't have another place where we really get to see this character, this dimension to Paul. Throughout his epistles, we can kind of see it in some of his writings. But the way it's captured and, and perfectly by the Holy Spirit, the way he's given it to us here, this is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. Because it allows us to know, first of all, how much we are cared for. Because who's our great shepherd? Jesus Christ. And how if he, through an under-shepherd, if, his, if the under-shepherd's eyes on the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, how we're so loved. How he desires to encourage us. How he wants to know wherever we are, whatever we're going through, he's meeting us right where we are. And we don't have to wait till we make it to somehow, you know, then come into the kingdom of heaven that way. He knows that each one of us are like those potter's vessels broken and being shaped and being transformed and constantly in, in a work of progress. Isn't that just, I don't know, I, I, I sometimes get teary-eyed about it because to think my father, the great potter, the master, your father, Jesus Christ, the son of God, is working in our lives so intimately, so perfectly as a surgeon, taking and removing those things that honestly we don't want, do we? But we, we don't have the ability ourselves many times to, to do it in our strength. But he does. And he's so gentle. So let's, let's just pray right now and ask God to do that work in our heart. Even before we pour over the word in which we're, we're going to be transformed, we're going to be washed here this morning. We're going to come into the unity of Jesus Christ. But before we do that, let's take a moment to say, God, here's our hearts Search the inner depths. Whatever you find, God, that not be of you, remove it surgically. Take it from us, and Lord, let us never pick it up again. Will you pray with me? Father God, we, you just overheard, Lord. It's your Holy Spirit that, God, put that on my heart. Put that on the hearts of your believers here, Lord, your friends, your loves. And God, how we desire to come before you this morning, laying these things down, Lord, laying down the busyness of this week, the things tearing and pulling at our attention, Lord. Lord, thank you for protecting the children. Thank you for protecting our spouses, our parents, Lord, friends and neighbors that way. Thank you for looking after all of the, the ways you provide. Thank you for providing for us financially, Lord, that we, we all ate food here this morning in some way or another or yesterday, Lord. We, we thank you for that. Thank you for clothes, God, that you've, you've, you've provided for us and clothed us in every way, God. You tell us, Jesus, even the, the lilies of the field, Lord, they neither toil nor spin. They don't need to worry. But God, you're our great provider. Thank you, Lord, that even what you've given us, that we could even give back just a little bit this morning, Lord, as we, as we put it in that agape box, Lord, it's for your kingdom. God, may you be praised for that. That's our worship, Lord. Just as we lift our hands and worship, God, may it be well-pleasing to you. And may you bless it for your work, Lord, not for man's ambitions. God, thank you. And right now, Lord, open our eyes wider than ever that as we read, we would see not only Paul's heart, but we would see you working in Paul, through Paul, doing that wonderful change that just draws us closer to you, Jesus, because we learn more about you this morning. God, will you do that work in us through your Holy Spirit here? I know, Lord, you want to. We give you our hearts and we say, have at it, Jesus.
regardless of the cost. In your name, Jesus Christ, we all pray. Amen. All right, so we've, if you've been with us and you've been following along, we've been making our way with Paul on his third missionary journey here. We've, we've come as far as verse 25. We've seen God just do amazing things in the church of Ephesus, the amazing miracles and healings. And then he left and he, he started making his way knowing that he needed to get to Jerusalem. He wanted to make it there before the day of Passover, right? So he was making, or excuse me, Pentecost, I meant to say. And he was making his way and he was making haste. But as he starts, he's in Miletus, and as he's making his way back, the Holy Spirit puts something on Paul's heart and says, no, Paul, I know you left the church already in Ephesus, he says, and you, and you said your goodbyes. He says, but Paul, I want you to call the Ephesian elders. I want you to call the pastors of the house churches in Ephesus. I, I want you to call them, and I want you to speak your heart to them. Paul, I want you to be so vulnerable. I want you to be so real and so transparent. In a way, Lord, you know, Paul would say, in a way that, Lord, only you can speak through me in that. And that's where we pick up in verse 25. If you read verse 17 through 24, we've been making our way where he explained to them that he needed to go bound, right? In the spirit, in the Holy Spirit. So we know this is God ordained, that he's gonna go to Jerusalem. We also know that in verse 23, that he's gonna wait chains and tribulations. The Holy Spirit's testified to this. He knows exactly what's awaiting him. But Paul's gonna stay the course. He talks about a race that he needs to run. And he refers to it as my race. He doesn't say your race, our race. He's not comparing other people's race. Every one of us here has a race. And we're not to look at, you know, Hope's race or Kevin's race or, Di or Dave or anybody here. We're not to look at anybody else's race and wonder, well, how are you doing with your race in comparison to my race? Don't we do that sometimes? We, we look and compare and, and somehow we think it should measure up that way. Or, or worse yet, we get defeated because we look at someone else and we say, oh boy, look at how well they're doing. And we have no idea what God is doing in the heart. We have to be careful to keep our eyes on Jesus and not another man or woman in comparison. God has created each one of us here uniquely with his fingerprints and a custom-tailored race that he's designed for each and every one of us. So don't look to your neighbor that way, but encourage your neighbor. That's what he wants us to do. So in verse 25, he, he picks up, he says, but indeed now, or, <clears throat> you know, Kai in the Greek, and a conjunction, indeed now, I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more, Right? Paul announces that he's probably never going to see these men, the Ephesian elders, again like that. Now, please remember with me, he spent three years, the longest he spent in any one church plant was in Ephesus. He's also spent somewhere between seven to eight years in the Aegean area. This has been his life for almost, you know, better part of a decade and to know that he's going to go into Jerusalem, knowing the Holy Spirit's telling him he has to go. But his heart, where's his heart? His heart's with the people that God has called him to shepherd, to under-shepherd that way. And he knows he's not going to see them again. And so in Paul's heart, I mean, I, I, I can only imagine if, if the Lord told me I have to say goodbye to you and, and that tomorrow I had to leave, I, there would be massive amounts of weeping. Because I love you all. And, and the Lord's called me here to under-shepherd, to, 
to what? To teach, to lead, protect, guard, feed the sheep of God. But to have to say goodbye, knowing that God is telling me to go one way, but my heart is where, where he has me. Some of you know that's what that's like. Maybe you've been at jobs. Maybe before you went off to school or, or something like that, you know, you were home or you were with a family and maybe some of you have had to travel because the job is taking you somewhere else, but your kids and your wife, they're home and your heart's with them. But a part of you, maybe, maybe active duty military or reserve, you've had to go out to, in, in an honorable way to serve as, as God has shown you, but your heart is still where? Back with the people back with the people that you love. And, and that's what Paul is hearing. Now, now, let's put ourselves in the other aspect of that. Now, think about the Ephesian elders. This is like a bombshell to them. Someone just sort of detonated a grenade. What do you mean, Paul? The only thing akin to this that I can even begin to think of were the disciples of Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 1 when he says, what do you mean we're not going to see you anymore as he ascends up to heaven like that? What do you mean, Jesus. You're not going to physically be manifested before us in your presence and walk among us. What's going to happen? They loved Paul. They knew that this was probably going to be the last time they see him. And, and it's interesting. Paul could have gone anywhere with this, but you know what he does? He turns around, he looks at him, he says, look. He says, men. You've been called by the living God to lead your house churches. Remember, because in Ephesus, there was no one dedicated building, right? That way that they met in. So there were all these little small house churches. He says, look, you pastors of the house churches here. He says, you remember your calling. He says, and I want to I do three things. He says, I'm going to show you three things. This is what Paul's going to break out for us here. He says, I want you to look at three things in particular. First, I stand before you and I can declare that there is innocence of blood on my hands. And I imagine he looked at him and said, how about you guys? Where do you stand? Do you have innocence of blood on your hands? What is he talking about? Well, let's read on to verse 26. We see the first of three consecutive therefores. If you're taking notes, verse 23, circle therefore, verse 28, circle therefore, and verse 31, circle therefore. You'll see three consecutive therefores. We know we're well taught. We're Calvary Chapelites, right? When we see a therefore, we ask, what's the therefore, right? We know that. Why is it there? Now, he's been building this all up as he's been speaking to these Ephesian elders. It all comes to this sort of point. There's so much wrapped up in this. He says, Therefore, testify to you this day, or I, excuse me, testify to you this day, that I am innocent of the blood of all men. Very important statement. Because the, you know, the exact opposite of that would be true, and we'll talk about that. But he, there's so much wrapped up in this simple word. It's, in a sense, it's because he's saying, because I'm not going to see you again. Because I love you so much. Because I've invested so much of my life and my heart among you. Therefore, you need to know this. Listen and pay attention. That's what he's saying to them here. Paul declares that his heart was clear that he could leave these Christians, these brothers and sisters in Christ, he could leave them to God's care with a good conscience. Notice that he says that I shunned, or I not shunned, declare, did not, in other words, the whole counsel of God. Right? Let's look at verse 27. For I have not shunned to declare you the 
whole counsel of God. That is why I can say what I just said. That I know, I know this blood isn't, isn't on, on my hands that way, right? That I, that I taught the whole council. Think about it. Remember, he had been there for three plus years, the longest he'd been in any church plan, as I've already described. He's there. He meets at the school of Tyrannus. Remember, he had no central building. He was a leather maker. He co-labored in the, basically the breaks of the day. So from 9 a.m. to about noon, we believe, he would co-labor, do his leather making, tent making like that. From 1 to 4, tradition tells us, he would go into the school of Tyrannus, that word means, you know, tyranny or, you know, one like that. He'd go into the school and they'd meet and they would open the Hebrew scriptures and Paul would read line by line, verse by verse, and he would go through the entire Hebrew Bible. And as he was going through, he would begin to exegete and say, did you see Jesus Christ there? Did you pick up Jesus here? How can you read a chapter of the Old Testament and not see Jesus Christ? Amen? Well, Paul did this for three years. Thousands. I mean, think about it. That's 900 and something, you know, and minimally. If you just do it five days a week, we don't know. Maybe he did six days because he worked six days and rested on the seventh, right? That way he's still under that sort of tradition, but I mean, thousands and thousands of hours of teaching, of spending time in the word of God that way, hearts being transformed, minds being awakened to the reality of Jesus Christ and his crucifixion, his resurrection, his ascension, and the commandment to go forth, to baptize in the name of Jesus Christ, right? To baptize in the new, com new covenant that way that he established through his shed blood that would bring remission of sins to the entire world that would be willing to receive it. And being able to have all these scriptures open that way. It, it's amazing. You know, I, I would suggest to you today, nothing's changed. As Solomon would say, nothing's new in, under the sun that way, right? We need to present the whole counsel of God. Don't we need to do that very thing today? We've got 66 books, the Old Testament, the New Testament. You've probably heard some teachers out there have said, oh, we... We just need the New Testament. We, we don't need the Old Testament. Paul taught all the Hebrew scriptures. People came unto salvation. It's God's word. There is no, it's one, it's, how do I say this? It's one testament that way. Because it all represents Jesus Christ in his life, his death, his resurrection. God's love and redeeming venture, if I can say it that way. For all of humanity. That's what he did. But he, la he later warned in 2 Timothy, right? Chapter 4, verse 3. You've read this. Paul later warned in the last days people would not endure what? Sound doctrine. But they'd look for teachers that told them what they wanted to hear. You know, that they would scratch the itching ear for the for the believer, if I can say it that way, that they would come in that they didn't want truth. They wanted anything but truth. They wanted anything that would appease them or make them feel good. Paul warned us that would happen. I believe that's already happening. You know, many preachers today, and I want to be gentle but loving, and, and I want to be encouraging that, you know, I don't know who will hear this. Maybe someone somewhere is struggling. Maybe they've been got caught up. Maybe a pastor somewhere has got caught up in a teaching of 
you know, programs or something because maybe the church began to sort of shrink and they, they got concerned. And so what did they do? They, they started reaching out to the marketing and the programs and all the entertainment and everything that goes with it in fear to try to keep alive this, this thing that God had once done. We read all about it in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, don't we? Other than the church of Philadelphia and, and specifically the Ephesian elders. God wrote a letter to them, didn't he? Church of Ephesus. And what did he tell them? Return to your first love. Remember that. These are the men we're talking about. This is a real church, real men, real people going through this. So I don't know, maybe some pastor, so I want to say this gently, but also transparently. Some preachers, they use the Bible as a, a launching pad. You know, therefore, they can say what they want or maybe what the people want to hear. Others throw in Bible quotations or, or illustrations and somehow trying to communicate their point. Yet a real calling of the preacher is to simply let the Bible speak of itself, to allow the Bible to declare its own power. That's what the under-shepherd is to do, to, allow, to read the, to exegete the word, to read the passage and allow the Holy Spirit to do the work in the believer. It's not the pastor that does the work. It's not me. I'm no one. I, I simply try to be faithful to read the Bible and exegete it and handle it correctly and then get out of the way. And as you, as brothers and sisters in Christ, when you share the word, it's fitting for you to do the same to declare the whole counsel of God. I think this is important here because if we take this literally, and as you know we do, all the Bible's inspired, as we're told that, we should take it literally, I would suggest to you that the opposite is also true. Those that purposely or deliberately fail to declare, declare the whole counsel of God are guilty of the blood of all men. That's heavy, isn't it? That's heavy. That's why I said I want to handle this gently this morning because you guys know the teaching goes on the radio. It's in Jersey, California, Hawaii. It's all over. I don't know what God will do, whether there may be a, a pastor that's been hurting and he turns that radio on at that moment. This comes across and he's thinking about quitting. He's thinking maybe I, I don't know what to do I've tried everything. I, I've done these things of, of the world of man. Brother, if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you return to your first love. Go back to the word of God and teach it line by line and verse by verse. And allow the word of God and the power to be declared through the Holy Spirit and get out of the way. Stay the course. Don't quit. We need good men to stand in the gap. God will forgive. Verse 28, therefore, the second therefore we see, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Very important. We need to unpack it. Again, this is the second therefore we see here. First therefore looked at what? Looked at Paul's own life, didn't it? Right? He, he says, I testify to you that I'm innocent of the blood of men. But the second, therefore, is to instruct the leaders in Ephesus, these Ephesian Christians. Paul tells them, 
you pay attention to your own life. You have a high standard to fulfill, right? Remember, the standard's not perfection. The standard isn't perfection. But it's a high standard. And you can't fulfill that high standard without taking heed to yourselves. In other words, examine, just as Christ had said, examine your own heart. Because if you examine the heart and you ask God to search it out, he'll reveal these things, even in the depths, things that you and I don't want to see, right? Things that maybe found their way buried down deep. We don't even think about it. What's he talking about here? There has to be an intention we have to be intentional about this. We have, to, we have to turn around and do these things. He says, take heed to the whole flock. Pay attention to the people of God. If, you, if the Lord, if you believe the Lord has placed a call on your life and you're here this morning and you're hearing this, pay attention, men. This is what it looks like. If you, if you believe God's called you into ministry, pay attention to this. It's not about you. It's not about me. As shepherds, as under-shepherds, it's about caring for the flock of Jesus Christ and what he's entrusted us to. The Holy Spirit has made us overseers that way, an overseer. He said, shepherd the church of God. I mean, the flock he has an idea here of sheep, right? God throughout scripture he speaks to us many times like that. Shepherd the church of God. He continues that thought. He then tells them to be pastors, to shepherd the church of God, to serve their house church congregations as faithful pastors. So what do we learn here? Shepherds don't just feed. What else do they do? They lead. Shepherds feed and lead under the guidance of the, the chief shepherd, of course, in the community of God's people. They lead the people to God where he wants them to be, according to the will of God. He says, which he purchased with his own blood. See, that, that, that ties it all together. Do you understand that? He says, with his own blood. Because the church doesn't belong to who? It doesn't belong to the upper, under shepherd. Who's the shepherd here? Jesus Christ. Right? He's the shepherd here. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to Jesus because he's the one that purchased it with his blood. That way, Right? Look at verse 29. It says, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. So he begins to tell us, hey, there's going to be a danger, guys. Pay attention to this. Not only are you to feed, not only are you to lead, but you're also to do what else? Protect. And he says the danger is going to come from the outside. In the next verse in 30, he's going to say, but it's also going to come from the inside too. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, he says. He says, I know this. Paul declares it. There's, this isn't something like, well, maybe. He has an urgency here. And in the Greek, it, it actually speaks to a determination and urgency. Men, pay attention. This is going to happen. Be on guard. He warns these leaders about these wolves. You see, he knew that a pastor, a leader amongst God's people, is also called to protect, to lay down his life. To lay down his life that way. Not sparing the flock. These wolves, they're vicious. They wouldn't hold back against the people of God. They're going to take as many 
with them as possible. You know, one of the things that it, it reminds me of, one of the things that I think about in regards to this is unity. God has done a special work here. Brothers and sisters, I know sometimes we may take it for granted, but God has done something special with the unity that he's created here. Most of us know each other. Yes, there's some new people. Praise God you're here. We're glad you're here. But welcome to the family of God if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. We don't play church here. We don't play Christian. We don't act like we have it all together. Welcome home. You can lay it down, man. You can be real. Look to your left, look to your right. Hey, man, nobody's arrived here. There's nobody here that's going to fake it till they make it. Nobody's going to be a poser. People are going to come in hurt, broken. This is a hospital for saints, man. It's a hospital for saints. We come in and God does the work here. And he uses us as finely tuned instruments to minister to one another that way. Right now, raise a hand. I want to say, has anybody not blown it in here? And just for everybody that's not seeing this on the video, there is not a single hand raised. Praise God, there's nobody a liar here this morning. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We've all blown it. As Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners, right? And I'm right behind Paul going, well, Paul, I don't, you haven't met me. Man, I'm, I, I blow it all the time. Oh, Lord. He says, but watch. And the reason I bring this idea of unity up, because what do these wolves want to do? They want to create division. They want to come in and rip apart the flock. They want to separate and break. And, and they're savage wolves. They don't care. They rip. They tear. There's no precision to how God, when he corrects in love, he comes in gently, right? And he does that surgery. We talked about it in the beginning, in the introduction, how he comes in so gently. We prayed for that. But the wolves, they just rip and tear. and it's, it's nothing to do with God, even when they claim they're working of God. We need to be on guard for that because they're vicious. And then in verse 30, he says, also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Litmus test, everyone. Men, women, friends, litmus test. When you begin talking to someone, and they have some new novel idea in Christ. In other words, they have read and cracked the Bible code now, right? There's a Bible code, they say. And we have cracked it and we found something new that nobody else knows. They're the only ones, right? We would call that typically a cult, right? But they're the only ones that have this knowledge. And it's an extra book that they've read or been given somewhere, right? You know what I'm speaking of, the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, for even... You know, Islam that way, the Muslims. It's the same idea. It's all a cult. Call it what it is. Adding to the word of God. Any man that should add or take away, anathema. Jesus Christ said in the book of Revelation, didn't he? Anathema. Curse I bring upon you, he says. What, what, what is this that Paul's trying to communicate here? He says, among yourselves, men will rise up. And what's the litmus test? We get two things, how and why. What's the how? They're going to speak perverse things, right? That's their method. They're going to twist what's good. What's the why? Why are they doing it? What's their motivation? Is it to draw people to the feet of Christ or is it to draw disciples after themselves? 
We know it's the latter. It's to draw disciples after themselves. It's the litmus test. You know, often, you know, you'll, you'll have guys, and I'll tell you right now, it's easier for a pastor to deal with wolves on the outside than from a false teacher, you know, or should I say, even one of the reason I say outside is because there's goofy winds of doctrine that'll come in. There's false teaching. You know, you, as a pastor, as an under shepherd, I can deal with that all day long. You know, I can point him back to Jesus. I can point him to the word. But when you see the motivation of someone's heart that you love and that the body loves and that we have all come together and we're family and this is what God's done. We're a family here. And when you see it rise from within and they begin to do something to draw people away to themselves, it breaks hearts. It just does. It destroys pastors. It breaks hearts. It destroys friends and family like that. Because people get caught up in the momentum of it all. And God's telling us, be on guard. Protect what he's given us here. Protect his word. Protect the people. Protect your minds. Wash it and renew it with the helmet of salvation, with the word of God. Be careful, little children, what you hear, see, touch, and do. He's warned us. That's a protective father, isn't it? That's God. And isn't that a pastor's protective heart? Isn't that what a pastor ought to be doing? Not buying more jets and putting themselves in first class and not sit with the people. He belongs with the people. He belongs serving the people. He's the lowest of that. He's the chief servant. That's what an under-shepherd is. That's what Paul's demonstrated for us. That's what it looks like. Don't get behind a man that's all about him, that's drawing people to himself. Get behind Jesus Christ who wants to set you free. He says, but these men, they're going to you know, raise up that way. And I'll tell you, honestly, it's, it's, it's the hardest thing that I've learned to have to deal with in ministry. And you think, Lord, you know, okay, this December will be three years we've been going Sunday. Just young, young church that way. It's amazing what God's miraculously done here in such a short period of time. But you think about it. December, I think it's December 12th or 15th or something like that. I am on guard to protect this. And I know you're on guard. I've had you come up and say, Pastor, I'm concerned for such and such. They may be getting into this or they're getting... And I said, well, go talk to your brother or sister first. Matthew 18. Go, go talk to your brother and sister first. But there's a real love one to another here. It's real. It's not something... We don't play Christian. I mean, imagine how these men, these Ephesian elders were listening to this. What do you think they're saying? We, we could take a note from the disciples. What did they say when Jesus spoke about this to them? Not me, Lord, not I. Remember that when they were dipping in the sop and Jesus looked at them and says, one of you's a devil. Who's he speaking about? Judas, scary, who lied he stole from them, and yet he, Jesus allowed him to commu keep community because up until the last possible breath of moment, there was a chance and a choice that Judas could repent and get in right relationship with God. Jesus wasn't willing to not go the you know, nth distance, as I can say that, nth distance, the, the extreme distance. 
He does that for you and I. If there's somebody that's backslidden, if there's somebody that's hearing this, man, I've blown it. No, repent and return to your Lord. He'll set what's right. He'll, he'll set the ways that are right. It's an encouragement. But he says, not so, not me, Lord. I, I imagine many of them were thinking that. I imagine some of you might be thinking that. No, Lord, I could never be used to create division. Let's have a humble heart here this morning. Let's have a humble heart. Let's not let pride consume us. Never say never. Never say you could never murder. Never say you could never commit adultery. Never say that you could never sin that way. All of us can. All of us have the capacity to. We don't look upon someone else because they've sinned in one way or another. We're no different. We're no different. God doesn't reconcile sin. There's no, you know, some of you may have grew up in the, in the Catholic Church of moral or venial sin. There is no such thing in Scripture. Sin is sin. You had an evil thought. You thought angry about some raka. Jesus said, I say unto you, if you say raka to your brother, to your sister, I said unto you what? Demonstrating anger. What have you done? He says, you've murdered. You've killed. You've done that. He's just by the thought of it. He says, you look at a woman, you lust after her. You look at a man, you lust after him. He said, I say unto you what? You have just created, a, you just committed adultery. What is God telling us? Where does sin begin? In our heart and our mind? So we can't judge somebody by the outward action. Because we got to look at our own hearts and examine our own minds. Nobody's arrived. Nobody's arrived. I, I'm just so tired of the church pretending that we've got it all together. Because that's why the people that are hurt and lost don't want to come in. Because they go, they're a bunch of hypocrites. Because they see them in the workplace. They see them all though. And they go, well boy, they act like they got it all together. And then they come into church and play Christian. And they, they play like they got it all together. We, we don't. I want to encourage anybody here this morning or anybody that's out there that's hearing this, you don't have to pretend. Christ never wanted you to pretend. Jesus didn't pretend. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he had a massive amount of weight upon him and he had, the angels had come to minister to him, before they did, he got on his knees and he began to pray, Lord, if this cup could pass from my hand, but not my will, your will be done, Lord. What was our, we see him praying to our father that way, even in his trial and temptation. Why would we think we're anything better or different? Did our Lord not weep? Did our Lord not tempted in all ways as we have been tempted? But he overcame, and it's through Christ we can overcome. We can have that victory. And he further encourages them with this third therefore here in verse 31. He further encourages them. He says, therefore, watch. That's the first thing. Watch. Are you watching, brothers and sisters? Are you looking after your brothers and sisters here? This is the body of Christ. Are you looking upon each other as true family? I mean, even more than blood. Even more than blood. Are you looking after each other? Are we looking after each other? Are we, are we keeping each other accountable? He says, therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So he gave one, therefore, remember about himself. He gave another, therefore, about what they should do. Remember, take heed, he told them. But this third, therefore, is given after the urgency to take heed. And what he's saying here is he's saying, look, night and day. I, I think that speaks a lot. What's that that's saying? All the time. 
all the time. That's basically what he's saying all the time. He says, I tried to warn you. I have tears in my eyes. Paul asked them to have the same concern as their pastor, as their under-shepherd did, for one another that way. Because Paul knows that where his strength came and his love for the people was not in Paul, but it was through Jesus Christ who strengthened Paul. Just like you and I. Our strength isn't in ourselves. We can do nothing good of ourselves. But it's God who strengthens us. Through our weakness, he is made strong. Verse 32, so now, brethren, I command you to go to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. Underline that. And give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know with, that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who are with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So though Paul gave his all for the Christians in Ephesus there for some three years, I mean, the bottom line is he could only lead them to God and to the word of grace. That's all he can do. If you're an under-shepherd, that's all you can do. And that's powerful. I mean, when I say that's all, that's leading them to the Lord. But, but you can't, yeah, an old saying there, you can take a, a horse to what? To the water, but you can't make him drink. You can salt his oats, but you still can't make him drink. But you bring God to the living water. Or excuse me, you bring people to the living fountain, the living water, Jesus Christ. And they will be filled. Their thirst will be quenched. And really, they will be set free in a way that they've never experienced in anything of this world. No self-help book, no self-help program, no counseling, nothing like that. Not that there's anything wrong with any of those necessarily. But what I'm getting at is that Jesus Christ is your all in all. The word of God is your all in all. It's what will sustain you and keep you and remind you, hey, stay on that narrow track and narrow road. In your race, stay on the narrow path that God's given you and run the race there. Don't look at somebody else's path and go, man, that grass must be easier on the knees. Or that must be better. Don't do that. We just get distracted with that, right? Programs can't do it. Marketing can't do it. Entertainment can't do it. God, his word, his grace is the only thing that can build you up and give you an eternal inheritance. Nothing of this world can do it. Paul was a hard worker for God's glory. He wasn't doing it for the money. If you're an under-shepherd, you're not doing it for, unless you're one of these guys that got these jets, which they're all, they're going to have to deal with Jesus on that. But for most most men that truly love Jesus, that are surrendered, that are serving, that are in the battle trenches every day, you're not doing it for the money. You're doing it because you love Jesus more than you love yourself. That's the real call. That's what it looks like. That's what Paul was showing. What's the motivation? He didn't covet gold and silver. He wasn't care. He didn't care about that. And then he says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And it's his parting words. You know, it's interesting. Taken from a quote of Jesus, but 
There's nowhere it's recorded in the Gospels. It's interesting, right? So what gives? What gives here? It's in red. It said it was spoken by Jesus. Maybe some of you've got red in your Bible, but it's not recorded anywhere. Well, in John chapter 20, verse 30, or 31 like that, I'll read to you if you'll allow me. John tells us, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these that are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. You see, more was witnessed and said than can be recorded in not only the Gospels, but even in the book of Acts, as we've been talking about. Haven't we seen more with Apollos and other areas that have been going on? Remember, Luke was left back, right? And he was turning around. Where was he? In Philippi. Luke was left back in Philippi doing work and planting and doing all the things that God had put on his heart for the church there. But we don't have all that was captured at that time. We, we just don't. We, I don't think we could have any volume of book to capture the 33 years in which Christ walked the earth. He did so much. I mean, we, we, we miss, we have like gaps, right? We, we have up until like, you know, a little bit till he's 12, right? We, you know, three and under and then kind of 12. And then all of a sudden we skip to like 30 years old in the Galilean ministry. There's so much that God did that we just, we don't have recorded. But it shouldn't stumble us. Some come to this point and they, they struggle. They, they begin to question, well, is the Bible reliable? Can we trust it? Absolutely. Do you, here's a good one. If you have a child and you sit down, how was your day? Good. Did you, so the child for eight hours while they were at school basically sat there and was like, I'm just good. Good, 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 good. Good, 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 good. Right? No. They were doing things. They went to cafe, you know, they went to gym class. They had fun. They did all that. But when you get to, you know, the response, how was your day? Oh, it was good. Okay. Why do we accept that? Parents are like, oh, okay, it was, must be good. You know, why do we accept that? But when we're told that Jesus said this and we just don't have it recorded, that we would disbelieve. Is it not line up with the character of Christ? Is it not line up with his word? Is it something that would contradict any other passage of scripture? No. So it passes the litmus test. Because the best interpretation of scripture is scripture, right? So as we finish here, in verses 36 through 38, it says... And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. They loved Paul. Souring most of all for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. So I leave you with this. I mean, it may seem like it's a somber note here. This is the end of the third missionary journey. If you're taking notes in your Bible, you want to draw a sort of square mark across. This is the end of the third missionary journey here. Paul was a warm pastoral man, wasn't he? He loved his people greatly, and he, you might say, won the love of them or the affection due them that you just can't really explain anywhere else. And, and I think that with many prayers and tears, the sending off party, knowing that they probably would never see Paul again, you know? I think it's such a privilege to witness God moving through this early church. Likewise, I think it's a privilege and a blessing to watch him move through this fellowship here. 
You know, I pray God continues to bring us on these journeys that we read in the book of Acts, spirit-driven divine appointments. That's my heart's prayer for all of us. We're just getting started. Unless he comes tonight, hallelujah, and Maranatha, we're out of here, man. But if he doesn't, we're just getting started. If you need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, come up afterwards. We'll pray over you. But Peter and John daily prayed for a fresh filling because they knew they couldn't do the work of God on their own. They knew they needed Christ and the promise of the Father manifested in him. And I think we need to take heed of the warnings Paul gave here, right? Therefores, watch, feed, lead, protect, right? Watch from the wolves outside and those that will deceive and try to lead people unto themselves from the inside, making disciples after themselves. We must desire the unity and family that only comes through Jesus Christ, the true shepherd. Now, I have a question for you, and it's tied to what we've been doing. You know, we've been going out as evangelists, you know. Are we all called to be evangelists? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Would you please turn back there momentarily? We'll talk a little bit more about this next week. We'll, we'll go through and see exactly scripturally what God has called us to do. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses, right? In Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Hmm. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is a command by the risen Lord to all his followers to declare the whole counsel of God and to leave a consequences to him. Yes, we're all evangelists. Every one of us in here is to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with, let's see, what did he say again? Jerusalem. Oh, well, we're not in Jerusalem. Okay. Judea. Well, we're not that. That's the outer parts area of Jerusalem, right? Samaria, that's a little even further out, kind of giving us a map. Oh, and then he bookends it with the and the ends of the earth. Are we in the ends of the earth in Harrisburg? We're in the ends of the earth in Harrisburg. Well, I'm disqualified, Pastor. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Good. That means it's going to be spirit-driven and spirit-led. How about that? How about that instead of man's wisdom? Instead of a formula? Instead of a follow this, dance, and tap your head while you're moving in a circle, right? No. I make fun of it because you don't, you know, it's easier to make fun of it than to sit there and cry about it because there's so many people that are caught up in the patterns of Christianity. They speak Christianese and they have these patterns and they, they do all these things thinking somehow they're working and lathering up the Holy Spirit. Love Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Love your neighbor. Die to yourself. Die for your neighbor. If you can do these two things, you're practicing the whole counsel of God. Amen? Let's stand and pray. Our worship team can come up for a closing song. Please go ahead and read through chapter 21. We're going to go through probably 
up until verse 25. Verse 1 through 25, if you want to mark in your notes or your Bibles, we'll take, we'll, uh, we'll take that on. Um, I, I pray everyone here was encouraged this morning. Not because of the itching of the ear, because, you know, you were fed something that made you tickle your ear. No, no, we were fed God's word. We had a solid diet on the word of God this morning. And that's what encourages us. Because we've got truth in a world that's trying to market and brand their own form of religiosity or religion. And God was never about religion. Jesus wasn't about religion. He didn't go up to the Pharisees and Sadducees and say, let's change your religion. No, he said, you know what? Let's establish a covenant based on relationship, on my blood, Jesus' blood, that I have given for you. Because life is what? In the blood. He says, that's what I want to do. So all of us here this morning, let's just renew our hearts. Let's get after it. Like Paul said, get after it. Bill came up earlier and said, Thursday, there's an outreach. We're going to go out to our neighbors. We've got another, I don't know, 700 or 675 to go. Some of you are going, wow, man. Well, I don't know. I don't know what to say or do. Like I said, good. Come out and join us. Maybe this is the first time you've ever done something like that. That's okay. Come out. Nobody's going to bite you. Maybe. I can't guarantee that. The church makes no guarantees against getting bitten. I just want to go on record of that. But it probably won't happen. If it does, we'll pray for the dog. No. I'm teasing. I want you all to know that this is our calling. Because if we love our neighbors and we love this lost and dying world, we'll get out after it. We won't just talk about it. We won't just come into a comfortable church where it's air conditioned and hear the word of God and then stop short of actually doing something about it. Now, maybe some of you can't walk as well as you used to when you were in your 40s. So, okay, you know what God's called you to do? Come out to prayer tonight at 7 p.m., And give them your heart and start praying for the saints that are going to go out in this area that can minister. That's your calling. God's given you a calling. It's not like your calling ever ends. It doesn't ever end. Even when you're in heaven, it says that we're ministering to the Father, ministering to the Son, even in in Revelation. In heaven, we'll be doing that. That doesn't end. But maybe that's your calling. Pray to God and ask him, what would you have me to do, Lord? Every day you think about how many people die across this world that don't know Jesus Christ. We were out just on Saturday. We had the privilege of praying with two people amongst maybe a hundred that we talked to. And I thought of how many of them just so quickly say, you know, no, we're, we're good. And I thought, you're good for today? But when your father comes and your vats and your barns are full, but your soul's empty, what are you going to do then? Do you have a burning desire like that in your heart? Paul did. He left it all. He left the comforts of Jerusalem. He left the comforts of being in the Sanhedrin, of being paid as a priest. He left it all. It's kind of like the prophets in the Old Testament. You go back and study that sometime. The prophets in the Old Testament, they did the same thing. If you were a priest, you were given a paycheck. If you were a prophet, you know what your paycheck was? Nada, nothing. But they stepped in faith. Who did that? Let's think of a couple. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, that's right. 
they didn't care. They wanted to serve God and they were willing to give their lives anything. They just wanted to be with Jesus and they wanted to do the work of an evangelist. We're going to read more about Philip next week. We're going to be reintroduced to him, right? We haven't read about him in Acts for a while. He's still where he was left in Caesarea and he's still doing the work of evangelist and it's proof because now his four daughters are prophetesses and they're able to prophesy because he was faithful in his home to teach the word of God. And he was faithful in his community to plant a church. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you don't browbeat us. You don't guilt us into it, God. You just promise a great reward. Lord, and, and what's so amazing about that reward is as we step in faith, God, part of it is, is that we experience doing what we know we were always created to do. And that's proclaim your name. To lift our voices and our, our hearts to your name alone. Lord, all that feeling and striving in our lives of wondering, do we fit in or what are we supposed to do or why do things feel like they're still missing or the void that exists and we get bored in our lives and all the things we wrestle with every week, Lord. God, when we're busy about your work, it's amazing how all that vanishes and we feel fulfilled. Not that we do it for feeling, but, but God, you give us a reward even as we're doing the work. But we know, God, our real reward is heavenly not to be seen by man, not that rust or moth or anything will decay, but, but God, that it will survive the burning of the wheat and chaff and all everything else that will go through that. It will remain, Lord. And it will be for you, Jesus, and you alone. God, we, we have our eyes after you alone. Our hearts are after you. We love you, Jesus. As we leave here today, let us lift our voices on high. Thank you for your encouragement this morning as we walk out of this building, God, into the mission field victorious. As long as we're in your will, Lord, we're invincible. And I thank you for that, God. And I thank you for the calling you've given all of us. We pray all this in your name, Jesus Christ, and all God's people prayed. Amen. I love you all. God bless you all. We'll close with a song. And then we'll just, Jenny will dismiss you after that. And we'll... Um, if you have any questions or you'd like a fresh filling, I'll be up here. I'm happy to pray over you for the Holy Spirit. Also, I was asked, we will be having a baptism picnic this year. We're working on location and where we're going to do that. And I know some of you need to be baptized. We'll start to put together a list for those that want to get baptized that came uh, into salvation this year or just maybe have never been baptized before. So praise the Lord. Again, God bless you. Have a wonderful week and just walk in Christ and you'll never be disappointed. God bless you.
your blessing over everyone today, Lord. Just help them not to leave here and forget what they've heard. Lord, just stir their hearts with such a hunger for you that as they leave, Lord, they just want to tell the world all about you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great afternoon.